0: Answered, I did tell you, but you do not believe. The works I do in my Father's name testify about me, but you do not believe because you are not my sheep. My sheep listen to my voice and I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life and they shall never perish, and no one shall snatch them from my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all. No one can snatch them out of my Father's hand. I And the Father are one. Father, we just pray as we look at this revelation, this kind of diamond of with so many facets and angles. But Lord, just showing us the depth of your incredible love for us that you would lay down your life for us. Lord, and on this remembrance Sunday, we we are going to remember the ultimate sacrifice. But Lord, I thank you that you did it with credible motives of love. And Lord, I pray that we'd be caught up in this story and understand that it's now our story. In Jesus' name. Amen. So the question always, you might think the pressing questions of society are what we're going to do about Brexit. I'm really tired of hearing about it. Or what we're going to do about uh, Boris Johnson or what we're going to do about this, or the pressing questions of society, you know, how am I going to buy a house when there's no houses, etc. I don't know what, what pressing questions you have. Uh, but the pressing question, the pressing question, is who is Jesus? The pressing question is who is Jesus? That's the question that is always at the front and centre uh, of the Bible story. It's always the, the question that been ch- people have been challenged with is who is Jesus? And you might think, oh, it's a side issue, but actually for you and for the people in this story, what they think about Jesus should and determine everything about their lives. Because as C.S. Lewis once said, uh, that if you think Jesus, Jesus can't be just mildly interesting. He's either of ultimate significance and importance that changes your life, or is of no importance and significance, you should ignore him completely. What he can't be do is just a good teacher. And so this question about who is Jesus is at the front and centre of, of the big questions of life. And actually the, the Jews in this chapter are asking this question, because it's the, it's the festival of dedication, or it's the festival of Hanukkah. Most of the Jewish festivals uh, uh, in John's Gospel are kind of birthed out of the Old Testament story. But this little ste- this, uh, festival of Hanukkah comes out of the Jewish story that was between the end of the Old Testament and the beginning of the New Testament. It's actually a story of this guy called Judas Maccabees, who's kind of this rebellious freedom fighter, and he, the um, Greek Seleucids, uh, Seleucids, I don't know if somebody does classics can pronounce it, uh, they'd kind of taken over um, the, uh, the nation of Israel, and he'd kind of raised this army to fight them, and then they'd finally uh, been uh, defeated and holed hold up in the temple, was their kind of last uh, kind of stand before they were driven off to this te- uh, place called Masada. And so there's this festival that remembered the kind of when God was going to send a, a, a redeemer, a rescuer to set, the, set the, freedom, uh, the nation free. So at this time, they're, they're asking the question is this the one? Jesus, are you the one that's going to come and set the people free? Are you the one that's going to be the, the new David? You're the one that's going to be the new the, the Messiah, the son of David, who's going to set the people free. So their, their attention is on this question who are you it's not just you know some vague question like do you like dairy milk or do you like galaxy uh, you know this is uh, th- who jesus is is this massive question and and, and they want to know is he the one who's going to come free- to bring freedom and redemption and breakthrough richard b, uh, uh, b. hayes a really interesting book it's called um, the the scriptures in the Gospels, Echoes of the Scriptures in the Gospels. It's kind of a, an interesting book, it talks about how the Old Testament echoes into the New Testament. He says this, he says, I am the good shepherd, carried huge theological and political significance. This is not simply a consoling promise to those who, for those who believe, as in later Christian piety. Oh, there, there, little lambs. It says, rather, Jesus is staking symbolic claim to be the new King David, Israel's restorer, rescuer and ruler. So when he says, I'm the good shepherd, he's saying, guys, I I am the new King David. I am the one who's promised. Now, it's interesting that we know about David. Psalm 23, you probably know this psalm. You know, let's just read the first part of it. It says, the Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guards me, guides me along the right paths for his namesake. Even though I walk through the valley of death's shadow, I will fear no evil, for you are with me, and your rod and staff comfort me. We'll pick up it later on. But who wrote that? David wrote that. What was David's profession? He was a shepherd who became the king. But interestingly, in this story, who's the shepherd? Not David, it's the Lord. The Lord is my shepherd. I will not want. So in other words, David at this point is a sheep and, uh, and God is the shepherd. And so it's interesting. So when, David, when Jesus says, I am the good shepherd, immediately he's making a claim to be David, but he's making a deeper claim. The Jews would have picked up this also. Ezekiel, there's loads of stuff about shepherds through the Bible. I'm just kind of picking you up. So... Uh, Ezekiel 34, let's just read a couple of slides on this. It says, This is what the Sovereign Lord says. Woe to you shepherds of Israel who only take care of yourselves. Should not shepherds take care of the flock? You eat the curds and clothe yourself with the wool and slaughter the choice animals, but you do not take care of the flock. You have not strengthened the weak or healed those who are ill or bound up the injured. You have not brought brought back the strays or searched for the lost. You have ruled them harshly, so they were scattered because there was no shepherd. And they became food for wild animals. So there's this idea that the shepherds, the leaders of Israel, had not done a good job. That the sheep had not been cared for. They'd basically exploited the people. They'd done it all for themselves. They'd eaten the food. They'd kind of taken advantage of the people. And basically, because they weren't cared for, the, the, the people were scattered. And in fact, this was written when the people were scattered into exile. So the Jewish people had been scattered. And God says... No, we're going to do it differently. So carry on. Ezekiel 34 says, For this is what the Sovereign Lord says, I will look after my sheep. I will rescue them from all the places they were scattered. I myself will feed my sheep and make them lie down, declares the Sovereign Lord. I will save my flock and they will be no longer plundered. I will judge between one sheep and another and I'll place over them my, one shepherd, my servant, David, and he will feed them and be their shepherd. I, will, I, the Lord, will be their God, and my servant David will be prince amongst them, because I have spoken. So it's interesting in this passage here that, that they say, saying, well, this is what a proper shepherd would do. This is what the shepherd, who's David, who's God, what he would do, and you pick up some stuff. He's going he's gonna to feed the sheep. He's going to get them to lie down. That's like a reference to Psalm uh, Psalm 23, Psalm, I'll make them lie down. He's going to feed them. Later on, there's a table in Psalm 23. He's going to feed them. And he's going to heal them. He's going to make sure that they're not scattered. He's going to gather them. Now, who's doing this? And you kind of know the Sunday school answer, but Jesus is doing this. Jesus is saying, I am the good shepherd. He's demonstrating his Psalm 23 and Ezekiel 34 credentials because he said in John, doesn't he, the works I do uh, in my father's name testify about me if you're looking for a good shepherd if you're looking for a rescuer a ruler if you're looking for the new david if you're looking for god amongst you these are the things that you should see and what was jesus doing he's feeding a hungry crowd he's literally he sees the crowd in matthew we preached I spoke about it some, some weeks ago feeding the 5000 he sees the hungry crowd in matthew and he says you're like sheep without a sh-. they were like sheep without a shepherd all this kind of time, he says, he, he leads them in green passages. They're in the wilderness and he feeds them. He's just healed a guy that's blind. Jesus has just healed a guy that's blind. And where it says the, 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 the high priest or the leader of Israel or the, or the religious people hadn't done that, he says, here he is. They're getting cross with Jesus because he's healed somebody blind. But they, he's saying, you've just exploited them. You're Ezekiel 34, bad shepherd, but I'm the good shepherd. I have come and done that. And he's declaring himself the promised David. He says, shockingly, I and the Father are one. So this, this statement, I'm the good shepherd, is, is kind of this revolutionary statement in there. He's basically saying, I'm the one who's going to come and throw down your enemies. I'm the one who's going to replace your broken religious hierarchical system, and I'm, gonna, I'm not only David, but I'm God. It's interesting that that we need to understand that context. But I think we need to understand, perhaps more simply, that that we are sheep. Psalm 103, uh, verse 3 says, Know that the Lord is God. It is he who made us, and not ourselves. We're not self-made. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. But the fact is, you, you are sheep. You are sheep. Sheep are interesting. They are stupid. Sheep are stupid. Um, and, you know, the, the the thing about sheep is they just wander off. They've got no idea what they're doing. They follow the crowd. They follow each other. They're prone to wander. They've got no homing instincts. I remember as a kid showing that, watching this film about some, some dogs that were, like, abandoned in the north of Canada. And they made their way home. It's like a Labrador and a sheepdog. And, and they made their way home, right, to the to the south of the United States. But I remember that these sheep have got this incredible home, uh, the the, the dogs have got this incredible home instinct, they can find their way home, but sheep are hopeless. You put them in the next field and they have no idea what they're doing. They wander around with no idea. And that's what you are like. It's what I am like. We're stupid, we follow the crowd, and we've no idea what we're doing or where we're going. (laughs) It's true, actually. Psychologists say that when you look back at yourself 10 years ago, and I know some of you are hardly born, but you know, for me, I've got a number of 10 years. It's to look back. But if you look back at yourself and think, "What was I like at 47? Uh, at 37? I, I was 37 one day, you know, or 27 or 17?" I look at my 17-year-old self and think, "What an idiot!" <laughs> I look at your uh, self and think, some of you I've known you for a while, and I think, "What were you like?" And you probably look back and think, I was a real idiot. But now I'm sorted. Don't you think that? But now I'm sorted. But as we go, as you go on, you'll realise, as you look back at your life, you'll realise, oh no, I was an idiot. Because actually right now you think, I'm sorted, I'm not following the crowd, I'm not stupid, I know what I'm doing, I've got a sense of direction in my life. But when you look back, you think, no, I'm a stupid sheep. We've got and sheep are prone to attack. They're easy to eat, easy to kill, prone to wild animals. Without a shepherd, they're prone to attack. But there are some good qualities about sheep, and it's really interesting, if you keep your eye on the newspaper, what comes up in the week that you're preparing about sheep. This came up in the Times. Basically, Sheep could tell the photographs of the actress Emma Watson from other people's faces in 80% of the time. Basically what they did is they did these trials and they thought, can sheep recognise people? Because they know that sheep can recognise a voice. So Middle Eastern shepherds would call their sheep from a big massive clock and they'd walk off and they'd call them and the ones that were theirs would head off. And it's a bit like a dog. Sheep would get excited if they saw their owner. And so they wanted to do some tests. So what they did is they put kind of random people and then Emma Watson and other people. And basically, for, when they looked at Emma Watson, they got some food. There you can see the sheep getting some food. And they swapped the pictures around, and they put other people in. And the ones that they were rewarded with, those faces that they were rewarded with, they recognised them, just from a photo. So they recognised Emma Watson, or they recognised, I don't know who else they used, against some randomer. And I think that's incredible, isn't it? There's a sense about sheep, even though we're stupid and we wonder, that that actually there's a sense where sheep can know a person. They can know their shepherd. Really, in a way that that you'd think is surprising for dumb sheep, they can know. Uh, And so, so the reality is, when Jesus says, I know my sheep, and my sheep know me, there's an interesting kind of connection going on, because actually uh, that sheep can not only know a shepherd's voice, but they can know a shepherd's face. There's a personal connection. When we talk about, I'm the bread of life, or I'm the light of the world, or I'm the true vine, these are all inanimate kind of, or objects. I mean, not a vine is not inanimate, but, but a shepherd's relationship with a sheep is intensely personal. And so we've got this sense where this idea of, 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 of God's people as sheep and God's, uh, God's rulers as, as shepherds and ultimately as, uh, God as a shepherd. But interestingly, there's three characters in this story. Let's uh, drill a bit deeper. Uh, if you look at the, um, the, the next slide, basically it's a little poem. Uh, it's, uh, it basically, I've kind of headed it so you can see how it breaks down. Basically, it's got, I am the good shepherd. The shepherd lays down his life for his sheep at the top. And then it says, I am the good shepherd, and I lay down my sheep at the bottom. So it's like a little poem. And then in the middle, you've got the wolf. You've got the character called the wolf. The wolf attacks the flock and scatters it. And then either side of that, you've got the hired hand. The hired hand is not the shepherd and does not own the sheep. The man who runs away is a hired hand. So you've got these three characters. So we're going to kind of work through with these uh, three characters. Let's look at the good shepherd first. What's happening in the second little bit of this, Jesus introduces a little bit in the sandwich. So he's got, I I am the good sheep, I am the good shepherd, sorry, the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. And he's got that again at the bottom, but there's something really profound in between those. He says, I know my sheep, and my sheep know me. Okay, well, we said that can happen. Sheep can know shepherds and whatever. But there's a deeper thing. It says, just as the Father knows me and I know the Father, suddenly it's very profound. There's a way that that, that, that Jesus is saying, "I knows his sheep, us, if we believe, is is a, a bit like the way that God, the Father, knows the Son. We're suddenly, as it were, peering through a, a, a porthole into eternity. Suddenly, instead of shepherds and sheep, we're looking through a portal into eternity and we're seeing this incredible close relationship between the Father and the Son. We're seeing this close relationship. In fact, uh, in the passage, Jesus says, I and the Father are one. The relationship in love is so close that the three persons of the Trinity, Father, Son, and Spirit, are united in oneness, in love. There's a sense of closeness and love that's that's at the heart of the universe. And if if you're thinking, oh, this is all new to me, we have a little course called 3 to 1, and the three week is all about this, about the power of of the Trinity, to shape everything. And so what happens is, Jesus is saying, there's a reason why I lay down my life, and it's something to do with sheep knowing shepherds, but it's deeper than that. It's something to do about how, the, how God the Father knows me and loves me. Rich, uh, Ken Bailey, I always quote him, he wrote a brilliant book called The Good Shepherd. Um, and uh, Ken Bailey used to be, uh, I've quoted him before, he used to live in the Middle East uh, and was a lecturer of New Testament studies in the Middle East. So he'd lived in the Middle East, and he says this. He says, there's a close relationship between the shepherd and the sheep. The relationship is like the close relationship between the good shepherd, the son, and the father. So there's this sense where this relationship is like this close embrace of the spirit, father, son, and spirit, this close embrace. And that's the relationship that Jesus is saying. So he goes on, Ken Bailey says... So why does does the shepherd lay down his life for the sheep? It says, astonishingly, this is why the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. Because the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep, we the community that hear his voice are drawn into the heart of the good shepherd, who himself dwells within the very heart of God. This is really profound. Jesus is saying that actually this relationship that I'm inviting you into as my sheep is this same relationship that I have with my Father. And in John 17, Jesus is praying, it says, I want those you've given me to be with me where I am, to share my glory, the glory I had with you before the world was created. This sense where Jesus is saying, I'm inviting you, you know my voice, if you hear my voice, I'm inviting you into this relationship with me that's like the relationship between a father and a son. No, more than that, it's like the relationship between God the Father and God the Son by the Spirit. It's the most close and profound relationship. And that is why Jesus dies, because actually, Jesus has to die, when we introduce the other characters, we'll see why, Jesus has to die to bring us into that relationship. He has to die to bring us into that relationship. Let's go uh, and look at that, uh, that chiastic. It's called chiastic, by the way, if you want to be flash. Ring structure, it means it's got like that. That that caristic structure, okay. Basically, let's look at the next two people. So Jesus says, I am the good shepherd, I lay down my life for the sheep. Why? Because there's something about this relationship between myself, me and my father that implores me to do it, encourages me to do it, charges me to do it, says the passage. But actually, you've got two other people in the story. The first one is the hired hand. Let's just read what it says. The hired hand is not the shepherd and does not own the sheep. And when he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and runs away. And then you've got uh, the man who runs away because there's a hired hand cares nothing for the sheep. Jesus is saying that these there's these shepherds, and we've already come across them with a hired hand. The, the ones in Ezekiel 34, they're already the hired hand who don't really care about the sheep. There's these, everybody's gonna have a shepherd. And, you're gonna have, and you, if you've had shepherds that don't care about the sheep, you're in trouble. And Jesus is saying, you've had Ezekiel 34 shepherds who don't care about you. And you might think, well, this has nothing to do with me, because I don't live in first century Palestine, and I don't have the high priest as my shepherd, but the fact is, everybody has a shepherd. You all have a shepherd. You, because you're vulnerable sheep, you're either following the other sheep around with what is the latest trend and the latest thing, or you're following some kind of shepherd. You're following some kind of shepherd. And Jesus is saying, those other shepherds are all hired hands. What do we read in Ezekiel 34 about the, 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 the hired hands? It says they eat the sheep. It says you didn't strengthen them. It says you eat the curds, fair enough. You can drink milk sheep and have curds. Clothe themselves with the wool, that's okay. You can exploit sheep. But here's this saying, no, these bad shepherds, they eat the sheep. And the truth is, if you're not following Jesus, you will be following some shepherd. And the bottom line is, they will just exploit you. So what, what kind of shepherds can you have? You could say, well, if I find this perfect relationship uh, you know, I find this perfect wife, husband, I find this perfect relationship, then I'll be satisfied. And what you're saying is, instead of the Lord is my shepherd, you're saying, my spouse is my shepherd, I shall not want. They lead me in green pastures, lie down by still waters, you know, we'll go away for a nice weekend together, La blah. They restore my soul. What you're doing is you put in somebody else or something else. You could say, my career is my shepherd. It leads me in Wealth and comfort and a sense of affirmation. You can find lots of things to put in there that actually will be your shepherd. But bottom line is, they're a hired hand. They're a hired hand. They will exploit you. Even the best people in the world, even the best husband in the world, is basically a bad husband. I, I'm, I'm basically selfish. I basically want rather than give. I haven't eaten the flesh in terms of, you know, I'll kill Naomi for my advantage. But we know marriages that go, we know that marriages that go wrong, we know that relationships that go wrong, where you you feel basically, this relationship is just devouring me. It's eating me up. And that's because ultimately, if you put your trust in anything or anyone else, they will disappoint you. I wrote this, if Jesus isn't your shepherd, Something or someone else will be. If your ears are tuned to another voice, if you're being led by another hope or desire, if you put your trust in anything else other than Jesus, it will eat you up. And ultimately, when the wolves of the valley of the shadow of death come, the hired hand will just scarper. Loneliness is massive in our society because when pressure comes, the hired hand scarpus there's only one shepherd that doesn't do that when the wolf comes this shepherd is very different now what is the wolf we could you could say it could be all kinds of things okay um, who's the wolf in this story you could say well if the bad shepherds are israel uh, then the wolf is rome and the wolf has the power of life and death. The wolf, if you read the Bible, is the only one who can uh, uh, sentence a criminal to capital punishment, to, to death. So you could say the wolf is Rome here. And in one sense, there's a political angle where maybe it is. But actually, that I think the wolf is, is literally evil and death. There's a battle going to be had between the good shepherd and the wolf. The wolf is going to come in and try and take down the good shepherd. Why? Because it wants to rob and steal and destroy. It wants to take away and scatter. Ken Bailey, in his uh, uh, book that I mentioned, says this. He says, where in Jesus' parable, this parable with the ring structure, is the record of the great struggle between the good shepherd and the wolf? The answer, Nowhere. The death of the shepherd is confirmed, but there are no details. Dramatically speaking, there is a missing scene. This absence of detail is a mirror image of the gospel accounts that simply state they crucified him. In Roman society, uh, they had not just sexual pornography, but they had Physical violence pornography. In other words, that kind of looking in at something obscene and finding pleasure from it. That's what they found. So they would, if you read Roman literature about crucifixions, it would talk about the nailings. and It would talk about the, the kind of the, 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 the bones out of joint. It talk about the bursted heart. It talk about all that kind of horror. Because they had this kind of sense of, let's glory in the suffering. And actually, in one sense, you know, if you look at the Passion of the Christ, that does seem to, glo- the old film from, from Mel Gibson, Glories in the Suffering, but the, the Gospels don't do that. They don't mention the deep suffering. It's kind of like a missing scene. It's there. They crucified him. Ken Bailey says, At the end of the struggle with the wolf, the shepherd lies dead on the stage. The wolf comes, it's almost like suddenly darkness and you hear a struggle and then the lights come up and the good shepherd is dead on the stage. I think it's a powerful image because if you saw a, if you saw a play, a Shakespeare play where the shepherd was dead on, on the stage or the hero was dead on the stage, you'd you think, well, it's a tragedy, wouldn't you? It's a tragedy, this is a tragedy. The, 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 the wolf has won. Death and evil has won. You know the end of the story, so there's no tension for you, but I'd like you to have a little tension. What's going on here? The shepherd becomes a lamb. The shepherd becomes a lamb. We're the stupid lambs who are liable to be devoured by the wolves, and the shepherd, the good shepherd, is to fight the wolf. How does he fight the wolf? He becomes a lamb. Isaiah 53, 6 and 7 says this, We all, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us turned our own ways, and the Lord has laid on him. Who's him? Jesus, thank you, Sunday school answer. The Jews wouldn't have spotted that in Isaiah 53, but we know the answer. The, The Lord has laid on Jesus the sin of us all. He was oppressed and afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter. And as a sheep before his shearers is silent, so he did not open his mouth. It's clear here, isn't it? This is how he's going to beat the wolf. He's going to die. It's going to die in our place. He's going to take our place. He's going to, so that we can be drawn into this wonderful relationship of Father, Son, and Spirit, the the shepherd is going to save us and rescue us and transform us and, and, and heal us and restore us by dying for us. We know the story, though. Death does not have the last word in this story. There's another scene. Jesus mentioned it later on. It says, because my Father loves me. In other words, because of that incredible, intense relationship at the centre of the, the, of the cosmos, at the centre of eternity, because my Father loves me, I lay down my life. Why does he do that? Because that's what God is like. God is the God who gives himself away. He's the self-emptying God. He's the God who always gives himself, always surrenders himself for someone else. That's the kind of God he is. He's the otherly God. It says, I lay down my life that I may take it up again. No one takes it from me, not the wolf, not evil, not death, nothing. I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down and have authority to take it up again. This is the command I received from my father. The way that we're drawn in to this uh, relationship is to say, I've been a stupid sheep. I am a stupid sheep. I've wandered away. I've done my own thing. I've turned to my own way. I've trusted in hired hands and false shepherds. And I know that when the day of the wolf comes, if I'm without the good shepherd, I will be devoured. But actually, Jesus is saying, no, because of that, I'm going to take up. I'm going to bring you through death. And we'll talk about that next week. I'm going to bring you through death into life. So that's what the good shepherd means. It means that he's come as the rescuer, the restorer, the one who's going to kick out the ultimate enemy. He's going to kick out the wolf. He's going to be the good, not the bad uh, shepherd. He's going to be the one who brings life to us. But he finishes with a couple more things, so let's just do that as we land this. What's the mission then of the good shepherd? You're part of the good shepherd, you're united with him. He becomes a sheep so that you can share the life of the good shepherd, the inner life of the Trinity. But Jesus says this, he says, I have other sheep that are not of this sheepfold. I must bring them also. They too will listen to my voice and there'll be one flock and one shepherd. He's saying to the Jews, the people of God, there are other people who I want to shepherd. There are other people who I've died for. Now they would have probably, I don't know who they would have thought, but actually the truth is that that, that actually that's the people that weren't Jews. It's the Gentiles, the people that were the non-Jews. Jesus is saying, I've got them also. And I want to bring them in so that they're safe in the sheepfold. I want to bring them in so that they can hear my voice and that we can be together, one shepherd, one flock. That, guys, is what we're about now. Having Jesus as your good shepherd doesn't mean just you get to feel his gentle hands running between your wool on a Sunday morning for an hour. Oh, isn't it nice? You get a little bit of bottle feeding, you know, you know, whatever. Oh, isn't it lovely? You know, Jesus is my shepherd. No, what he's done, he's died for you and caught you up in this mission. There's other, other sheep out there that are not in this flock, not in God's church, and we've got to bring them in. We have to bring them in. We've got to bring in the sheep that don't hear the voice. You can talk to people, I know, you probably do it over, hopefully over carol service, and you say, would you like to come to carol service? And some people just won't hear it. They just won't hear it. And you think, how can they not see? Some people see a little bit and say, you know, there's something about you, or... You know, you and your work colleague, there's something about you that's different and they'll see that. And they say, I might be interested. And then they might come and think, well, there's nothing for me. But the voice has got to go out. The proclamation has got to go out. Hear his voice. uh, Moses, God says to uh, uh, the people of Israel through Moses, if you hear his voice, do not harden your heart. And the voice of God's got to go out. It's got to go out by how we live and it's got to go out by social action. It's got to go out through our groups. It's got to go out. We've got to say there's a place that's safe. A place with a shepherd that loves you and cares for you and lays down his life for you and will never abandon you. A couple more. We're going to break bread. Jesus says, i have called this the promise of the good shepherd briefly. He talks to the Jews or some of the Jews and says, you do not believe because you are not my sheep. My sheep hear my voice or listen to my voice. It's really interesting, isn't it? The test of sheepness is not your stupidity. It's whether you hear his voice. I I was challenged by that. I thought, oh, I don't know if I want to say it. Because I think, am I hearing his voice? All the voices (coughs) telling me what's going to be great about my life am I learning to discern and hear this one voice? This is what your time in the morning or your time in the Bible or your time to stop and be silent is saying, I'm I'm learning to hear your voice. I'm learning to hear your voice. My sheep know my voice. I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life and they shall never perish. No one can snatch them out of my hand. My Father has given them to me and is greater than all. No one can snatch them out of my my Father's hand. That is the place that you're most secure. You might try and find, and this town loves doing it, what's going to make me feel secure? What's going to make me feel secure? This place is called the Father's hand, is the place that you're most secure that's why in, when you read people about people who suffer for the gospel who seem to have everything stripped away but die incredibly boldly or live incredibly boldly it's because they're in the safest place they cannot nothing can take you out of the father's hand and you know that as you grow older and we've got a young congregation but as you grow older and you face reality that actually life is short and death will come the day of the wolf will come You need to know, are you safe in his hands? I always think, how does this relate to Jesus? It's all about Jesus anyway. We just preach Jesus every week. uh, And you might think, oh, can you find something else? Sorry, that's what we're doing. Um, But I thought it was interesting. I left the end. We left the end of Psalm 23 empty. We left it kind of hanging. David says this to the Good Shepherd. He says, you, Jesus, prepare a table before me, not in the absence of enemies but in the presence of enemies, you anoint my head with oil. God loves to pour his spirit on us, he loves to fill us with that same love and life that he's enjoyed through all eternity. My cup overflows, surely Your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life. If you look at that, my goodness and love, it means it's a cast iron promise. It's like a marriage promise, a covenant promise. Goodness and love is gonna follow you because you're married to me, because you are joined to the Good Shepherd. Goodness and love will follow you all the days of your life. And where are you gonna live? I'm gonna live in the house of the Lord forever. David writes himself, doesn't he? One thing I ask of the Lord, and this is what I seek, that I may dwell in your house forever. That's the place we're going. That's the place where we are now. So on Remembrance Sunday, we remember that Jesus, the good shepherd, was taken and beaten, crucified, and his his body was broken. The shepherd became a lamb. His body was broken. His blood was shed so that you can find security in him. So that you can say, an end of foolishness, an end of hired shepherds, an end of fear of the day of the wolf. Nothing can pluck me from his hand. For more information, visit our website at godfirst.org.uk.